Welcome to the Backbox Pinball Podcast, a podcast for lady pinballers and their friends. Each week, we will sit down with a guest and chat about news and events related to women in the sport and hobby of pinball. Now here's your host, Lauren Gray. Welcome everybody to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. I'm so excited about our guest today. I'm just, I have all the feels. She's been on my list for a while of people I've wanted to have on the show. She has finished in the top four at the Women's Worlds in the past three years. She took second place at Indisc in 2020. In 2019, she took first at the Indisc Women's Event. And in 2019, she took first at the Women's ZapCon Tournament. Y'all know who I'm talking about. From San Francisco, California, help me welcome Louise Wagonsoner. Yay! Thank you, Laura. I'm back on the Louise, again, thank you so much for being on the show. We had to kind of coordinate our schedules, y'all, and I was just excited to to have her on. Louise, for folks who may not know you and all the awesomeness that is Louise, tell us about how you got into pinball, your pinball origin story, where you started from, and where you're at today. So I started playing pinball in 2010. I was a little bit of a late starter compared to some people. I had never seen a pinball machine in my life. I grew up in Wales in the UK, and you just don't really kind of see them around on location. It seems to be a bit more of a, uh, a home collector's environment out there. And if you're not in the scene, you just don't really see them. So my uh, now husband, Eric Wagenson, at the time we were just dating, and, and we both lived on or close to 16th Street in San Francisco, and there's all these dive bars on the street. And that's where we'd meet and hang out and kind of get to know each other over a game of pool. And one time, there was a really long queue to get on the pool table. And he said, hey, you know, they've got a pinball machine out back. Why don't we do that instead? So we went and played Theater of Magic. That was the very first game I ever played. And it was awesome. We loved it. And that became kind of our default thing to do. Instead of hanging out over a game of pool, we would just hang out over a game of pinball instead. And I had that kind of pretty casual relationship with pinball for a number of years. And it was in 2014 where it really shifted for me. And at that point, I had started getting involved with leagues of the San Francisco Pinball Department that we have at Freegal Watch. And Bells and Chimes had started up around that time, founded by Ike Schneider. And through the people that I was meeting in those circles, I heard about a pinball competition that was held in Vegas. Coming up in a couple of months, it's held once a year uh, by Trailer Tom, as he's known as Tom Miller. And if you won it, it was for women only, you would you would get this brand new pinball machine. And I knew some of the girls that were going down there and thought it sounded super fun and have a weekend in Vegas and playing this competition. So I went down and I ended up winning the thing, which was just amazingly awesome. And mm-hmm. having that that kind of validation and encouragement shifted something for me. You know, it's very it's very motivating when that happens and you have a big win. And a couple of months after that, I went to my very first Pinburg. And anyone who's ever been to Pinburg knows what an incredible experience that is. And you meet so many people and, you know, you encounter all these amazing games. And I started becoming aware of, oh, well, there's, you know, these dead bounces and people like getting the ball from the slipper to the other, like post transfers, that sort of thing. All of these, uh, like, control ways of, of being able to do something different, which I honestly, that hadn't been on my radar before. And, oh, there's rule sheets you can read. And, hey, there's videos and, you know, and everything else. And my, I think my relationship with pinball really shifted at that point. 
And instead of it being this sort of, you know, peripheral, kind of just casual thing to do when I was hanging out, it actually became at that point a lot more of an integral part of my life. And, you know, I started traveling to events and I'm engaged in, in leagues and, and everything else. And, you know, fast forward, you know, all these years to 2020 and, um, yeah, it's, I'm still in the same place with it and, and love it just as much as, you know, I, I kind of really fell in love with it back at, at that point. And, um, yeah, I don't play quite as much as I used to, certainly not now during lockdown, but uh, I'm sure when everything's back up and running, I'll be, you know, I'll be back there on the scene and playing with everyone. Uh, in terms of where I'm at, I, uh, sort of rankings-wise, I bounce around somewhere between 300 to 500 or so in open, and uh, maybe top five or so in, uh, in the women's uh, rankings. Well, for, I double checked for you. Right now, you are number two in the women's ranking and 269 in the open. So that is not too oh. shabby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great. So, uh, yeah, that's, um, I'm happy with where I'm at and, uh, you know, ranking aside, it's, you know, pinball just a fun thing to play. I'm very happy to be part of the community. It's, uh, you know, becoming an you know, important, fun thing in my life. And yeah, I hope to continue playing. As I've done this show, we were about a year old. We've had 50, you know, we're now at episode 52. And your name has cropped up so many times like, oh, you should talk to Louise. Oh, oh, do you know Louise? And um, we have a a shared friend, uh, Gene from Orange Photography. He was like, have you talked to Louise? I was like, no, she's on the list. (laughs) I promise I'm going to I'm going to get to Louise. I'm I'm so excited to meet you. And and I see you in all these pictures and and all these events. I'm like, wow, she's amazing. Got a chance to watch you play at Indisc uh, this year during the feed. And I'm just so excited. And the thing is, you make you make it sound like it's an attainable goal for me because I see these people who are at where you're at, kind of the the top of the the game. And I'm like, I don't think I'll ever get there. But you did it in 10 years. And I'm like, that's amazing um, to me. So I was like, I could do it. I possibly. And uh, God knows that's the only way I'm going to win a free game or like I'm going to get a new game in boxes if I win it. So I'm like, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get in there. Well, the, I think uh, the format will be changing next year for the Women's World Championships, but I, I believe the, the field will be expanded. So, hey, just keep going out and having fun playing pinball and you'll work your way up and get up there. And, uh, yeah, one day, maybe everything will align and you'll win that wonderful machine. Yeah, that's I, it, y'all goals. Uh, hashtag goals. <laughs> All right. So moving into pinball news uh, again, guys, you know, we're not doing a lot of things, but I do want to give a plug. Um, I'm going to try to get this episode out in the next day or two, but if you don't catch it live, I know you'll be able to catch a recording of it, but there is a game being played in Switzerland live. They have a live tournament, JDL pinball, our friends, Jim and Dina Lindsay are recording and streaming the tournament that's happening in Switzerland this weekend. So if you got some free time, you can watch the stream live or you can always check out their YouTube channel. So I just wanted to give them a quick plug because I was very excited that live pinball was happening somewhere on our planet. I think that's fantastic. And they're such great friends of the show. Other big news. One of the things that's going on is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We've been talking about it quite a bit on the show. Y'all know how I feel about the turtles. I like them, but I mean, the streams look cool. I, I just, I'm not super excited about the theme, but it looks cool. I like the little van that, you know, the ball can go in and out of. Um, but it is shipping. The LEs are shipping out um, this past week uh, from Stern. So are you are you a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan? 
personally, I, I see my uh, my thoughts are kind of pretty neutral about the theme. Certainly, don't have any kind of hate on it. So yeah, that's all fine with me. If it plays well and the play field is great, then uh, that's that's all great. I haven't actually even seen the play field or any uh, any streams about it yet, but it has started dropping, and a couple of people I've been hearing on our kind of Bay Area Pinball Slack channel have already been playing it. So uh, they they must be out there and the feedback I've heard has been pretty positive so far. People have been saying it's fun to play. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it actually being on location and things opening up and being able to kind of get my hands on it and, and experience it for, for myself when, when all of that is, is possible. And that's the thing right now. It's so hard to get a hold of these newer machines. Like I didn't get a chance to touch or, or see Stranger Things. Hot Wheels, of course, I haven't had a chance to play on yet. And now Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm kind of with you on the theme. I don't hate it. Like, uh, let me be clear. I don't hate the theme. I'm just kind of like, meh. I was <laughs> like, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just like Ninja Turtles. I remember them when I was a kid, you know, probably a little older. But I know there are people who are super excited about it. It looks cool. The LEs do look really cool. And they have some really neat gimmicks and bells and buzzers and things. So other thing was um, our friend Jeff Teolis over at Pinball Profile did an awesome interview with Jerry Stellenberg with P3 Multimorphic. I have a huge appreciation for what he's trying to do. Well, have you ever played any of the Multimorphic games, Louise? Yeah, we're actually extremely fortunate in San Francisco to have one on location. In the Lexi Lightspeed at Alamo Draft House, a cinema just a few miles away. So I've had the chance to play Lexi a number of times, and I've always really enjoyed it. Um, I like the, you know, you can build up as to when you want to trigger multi-ball, how many balls you want to bring in, a, a little bit like uh, Mustang and Aerosmith have that kind of coding too. Uh, so I always liked that aspect of it, and it seems fun. And, you know, you have that uh, kind of play field tracking thing. Um, and just the general concept of being able just to switch out that rear area of the play field and mm-hmm. still in the same cab, uh, the, the concept of that I really like. Uh, so I, um, I've i enjoyed the, the Lexi. I like what they're trying to do with the company. Um, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm pretty enthusiastic about the, you know, the PC platform and what they're doing. Um, I'm looking forward to what they're coming out with next. Exactly the same thing. So I'll be honest, the very first time I saw one, I, I kind of like, Ooh, that's weird looking like it, cause it did not look like a traditional pinball sh- machine with a bunch of stuff shoved in it. But <laughs> once you got to play it, it is so much fun. And that's one of the things that Jeff talks about is the approachability that P3 and multimorphic machines have. Um, I've played Lexi Lightspeed. I've played Cosmic Car Racing. I'm excited to see Heist. Um, Heist, I feel has a bit more of a, throwback pinball feel to it but they're very easy to understand whereas you know when you have a traditional pinball machine yes there are like lights and things but there's so much going on that sometimes for a new person it's a little much whereas if you walk up to something like lexi lightspeed there's like giant arrows telling you where to shoot the ball there's no question on what the objectives are for lexi lightspeed and other p3 games and and that's one of the things that they talked about in the interview was the kind of the approachability of it for people who are new to pinball i think that those machines are very easy to understand and the swappability to me is really cool i know that they were doing like put a link in the show notes to you guys if you got heist you could get all these other games it was like a package deal for 15k which is a lot of money i'm not (laughs) joke but if you think about you're getting like seven or eight games for that kind of money i mean that's pretty awesome (laughs) 
I'm excited to see where they go next. I hope Heist does well. I mean, there's a little part of me that if I had an extra, you know, nine, 10K lying around, I probably would pick one up because they are right up the road for me in Austin, Texas. I will include a link in the show notes um, to the post about the sale and also a post to that um, particular interview on Pinball Profile. But uh, awesome, awesome. I really like the interview. So I hope you guys check it out. The next piece of news, which I thought was interesting, and it's more of kind of a general topic, and this is um, from our friends at This Week in Pinball, is they talked about moving forward with virtual events, which I think is interesting. Obviously, COVID, Earth is closed. Um, You know, we haven't played pinball realistically. I mean, Louise, the last time you played pinball, were you at the Women's Worlds? Yeah. Yeah, that was the last time in the Pin Masters event uh, that occurred, obviously, in the, you know, the subsequent day or two. Uh, so, yeah, that was the last time I actually played out on location. And, you know, I have the machine at home, but uh, honestly, I'm only playing maybe about half an hour a couple of times a week, and that's about it. So, yeah, I'm just waiting for things to, to open up. And, yeah, I was seeing a lot of these. I mean, people are getting really creative with how they're interacting with each other over pinball. And I think it's awesome that you're getting these virtual events coming up. There was one, um, uh, I think, a Northwest one, uh, maybe last weekend. Yeah, the Northwest uh, Pinball Summer Camp. Like, uh, you know, cooking and yoga and, you know, all sorts of you know, games being played and sharing art and photography and, you know, all sorts of things. And uh, in the 1st of August, I believe, there's a California Extreme virtual event that's going to be taking place, too. And Andre Matenkoff and my husband, Eric Wagenstein, will be doing some kind of events for that. I think it's going to be like tips and tricks and like strategy discussions and things like that. Uh, so there's, there's very friendly plans for that. Uh, people are all around the Bay Area. It's kind of a tech-friendly place. And a lot of friends in the community have been setting up their streaming rigs and getting their Twitch channels going and doing all sorts of you know fun stuff for the community there. And my, my favorite event of all these virtual ones is a, a pinball trivia night that we have in the Bay Area about once a month. Uh, we've got one coming up next week. And a couple of dozen of us join in. We split up into uh, teams. And Zoom has this uh, kind of breakout room functionality where you can divvy up into your teams and then come back to the whole group. And, you know, we chit-chat and you know, do this kind of trivia thing over the period of a couple of hours. And it's so much fun and it's really nice to, you know, see everyone and, you know, you really feel like you're properly kind of hanging out with them. So that's been my favorite of these, you know, virtual kind of online events. And, yeah, it's wonderful, all these different ways that people are finding to, you know, just connect and, you know, chat and engage with Kimball in very different ways. And, uh, and it's great. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, Laura Fraley did Quarantine-topia I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> you know, selfie tournament. There have been a lot of other events and people are getting super creative. I want to say thank you again to the folks that organized the Northwest Pinball Summer Camp. And they, I got a chance to be a part of that um, and play on the Ultimate Pinball Game Show where I failed miserably. I now remember lots of characters from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> But, um, but it was a lot of fun. But I am so excited. I mean, we are a family, a pinball family of very creative people. And we're kind of trying to make sure that we 
get an opportunity to visit and be a part of our pinball family and to see the creativity that people are coming up with. Uh, you know, I'm excited about California Extreme. I had heard a little bit about that. Um, the, you know, the different virtual tournaments, all the streaming. And, and one thing I want to point out, you guys, I have, I want this is going to kind of roll into something. I have a new segment because the, the streaming field has exploded. Cause I mean, there were some people that streamed. I mean, obviously everybody knows Jack Danger from Dead Flip. Um, but there are so many other people streaming and, um, I'm following all kinds of new streams and it's been so much fun that I want to highlight, um, new people that are streaming right now. And, um, the first person, so I haven't quite developed a name for this segment, like maybe like stream this or watch this, or <laughs> but, uh, one of the streamers I want to highlight, um, and we'll do this each episode is Sean Wilson. And he is out of Texas and he is the uh, gentleman behind Pride Pinball. He is on Twitch. It's uh, twitch.tv slash Pride Pinball. And he, he gave me an about me. Um, he got into pinball um, because he was thinking about how much fun he had used to play Funhouse at the bowling center when he was 16. And he got to thinking like, where did that go? And, and he kind of fell down the rabbit hole, just like we all do. And he uh, started watching uh, Zach and Greg on Straight Down the Middle, who were still new at the time. And of course, he was watching Dead Flip on Twitch. You fast forward, he bought his first machine, Elvira and the Potty Monsters. And now kind of moving forward, he started dabbling in streaming in 2019. And he felt there weren't any members of the LGBT community streaming pinball, and he thought he'd give it a go. Um, he, he moved to Twitch in 2020. Um, the thing I loved about uh, Sean... In particular, is when I was in his stream, he is very engaged with the people who are chatting in the stream, which it that is an art. <laughs> that is not an easy thing to do is to play and be engaged with your uh, stream watching folks. And he did it really, really well. He and I had a conversation, but he was letting, you know, making sure everybody was involved. It was a lot of fun to watch. We were actually, he was playing dialed in, which I don't see on streams that often. So it was fun to, to watch him play that. Um, I'm going to put this link in the show notes, but if you guys have not checked out Pride Pinball, definitely check him out. His regular Twitch stream is on Wednesday and Friday nights at 9.15 Central, and occasionally he'll do bonus streams. But Wednesday and Friday night, if you've got some time, check him out. That's Pride Pinball on Twitch. He also has YouTube and Instagram, and we'll put links in the show notes. I'm excited. We're going to have some some streamers on the show in, in a couple episodes, and just we'll be highlighting new streams beyond um, Dead Flip and, and some of the ones you guys may know, um, some of these new streamers that are coming up or, or streamers that are new to the scene. I think that people are getting creative, like, you know, this whole idea behind virtual events. We're kind of bringing pinball into everybody's home. Um, and again, I love I love the concept. And those of you who do it well, it is an art form. So uh, I definitely want to highlight that here on the show. But we'll include all the links in the show notes. But again, you can check out Sean on Twitch. So we come to the part of the show where we get to talk about all things Louise. So you talked a lot about your experiences. You know, you've done it for 10 years. What is it about pinball that you absolutely love? Is it just the friendships? Is it the actual gameplay? What about pinball kind of speaks to you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think fundamentally, uh, it's fun. I mean, I just find it an enjoyable way to spend my time. As time went on and I became more involved in it and going to leagues and going to tournaments, then the, the whole community aspect of it kind of really developed. And over the course of years, you know, you, you build friendships. And 
even for the people that I only see maybe every couple of months at the tournament, uh, you know, that I travel to and I might not know them like besties, but, you know, it's still wonderful when you go and you see people, you can stop and have a chat again and catch up and it feels so welcoming. And I've really enjoyed that part of the, the culture. And then there's also this, this wonderful aspect that, you know, you just don't ever get bored of it. There's always more games. There's always more to learn. And even on a game you might have played hundreds of times, there might be a different way to approach it or, you know, a different kind of game in terms of the dynamics of how it kind of plays out. You know, or you watch a, a video of somebody playing and you're like, oh, my God, wow, they managed to do, you know, this, this, and this, or stack, you know, certain strategies that you hadn't thought of before. Like, everything, you could just constantly learn and develop yourself. And that's also just a, you know, a wonderful, you know, a wonderful thing. You're just never going to get bored of it. It never becomes tiresome. And after all these years, I still get a tremendous amount of enjoyment from playing it. And that's the thing. It, to me, it's just so much fun. Just the people, the machines, just the challenges that it, it brings to me and and I completely agree with you 100%. So, you got a lot of stuff going on. Congratulations on the baby. Um what do you where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Um are there any events that you're like that's the event I want to hit next or or that's where I want to, you know, take my game next? Are there any events or tournaments that you really want to, you know, take a crack at? Uh well, the Women's World Championships would always be awesome if I was able to, to win that. I mean, I think that's a big one for the, for the girls. In terms of the big events, I don't really think about it in terms of, oh, my God, I really have to go to this one. It tends to be more around, okay, when can I schedule going to one of these events? And my husband also obviously plays, and we can't really both go together because it's a little bit tricky trying to do that and make it a whole family thing where we all go. Mm-hmm. So we tend alternate and take it in turns you know he'll be okay i want to go to blah 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 events and i'll be like okay well uh indus is one of my favorites so i like to go there um i like to go to the northwest tournament one that's in uh kind of may or june time at Dave Stewart runs. and uh, you know so there's a few that i i like to go and i try to make an effort each year um and then beyond that it's kind of a little bit opportunistic i prefer tournaments that there might be a couple of different events going on so maybe there's a a main and a classics, or a main and a women's, or there's an expo associated with it, um, so that you know you're not just going and playing like one tournament. You know, I want there to be other things to do while I'm there. But beyond that, I'm not too picky about you know the format or exactly which ones. I'm just happy to be able to go as and when I can kind of schedule it around work. Uh, but um, yeah, Pinburg, Indus, Good Northwest are the ones that I really try and make an effort to go to. Yeah, those are our three huge ones. And I definitely, the Northwest event is one on my go-to wish list because I just, everything I hear about it is awesome. And then, you know, being involved with the the folks who ran the summer camp, the virtual summer camp, it just made me want to go even more. So so those are three amazing events. Definitely think those are are, are excellent ones to to put on your uh, your to-do list. So as a top tier player, and we've talked about this at length with Sunshine Bond, but with other players who are kind of more at the top of the leaderboard, how do you deal with the stress, I guess, of you're in these high pressure situations? Obviously, you've taken first at Indisc in the women's division. You've taken first at the women's event at ZapCon. You're in these large main events on the pro circuit. How do you deal with that kind of pressure? Is it pressure for you or do you just kind of like, I'm just having a good time? I'd say it used to feel like a lot more pressure. Uh, definitely gotten better at kind of, you know, processing and managing that stress over the course of time. 
so it's a lot easier for me now. I'd say there, there always is an element of stress. You know, if you're stepping up and it's like top four of a big tournament and, you know, you're on the stream and everyone's watching you and everything else, I think it would be hard for anyone to be under that circumstance and not feel some level of stress. Um, right. I remember back in the day when I, I first started going to big tournaments, uh, if I got to that situation, I'd be like, Super shaky, and I couldn't. I could hardly cleanse my ball because I was shaking so much. And uh, I don't get the shakes anymore. That basically completely um, stopped, and, and it actually stopped years ago. I think it just takes a. Uh, it's, it's just exposure and experience, and over the course of time, for anyone who's a bit, a little bit more fresh to this, and, and finds themselves getting really nervous in their situations, just give it time. Be patient with yourself. It's okay. Um, you know, don't be um, don't be afraid or you know embarrassed of having that kind of reaction. We've all we've all been there, and uh, it gets better over time. And uh, breathing techniques are wonderful uh, if you really focus on slowing down your breathing, which you can uh, you can control. Then the heart rate will kind of follow, and it will slow down the heart rate. It will slow down that kind of adrenaline response. And so, breathing techniques help. Uh, I try to meditate most mornings, uh, practice I've had for a number of years, and I think that just generally helps me get to kind of a better place in any kind of stressful situation, just help process those kind of things. So, uh, yeah, breathing techniques, I say for anyone, just, you know, uh, focus on that, get your breathing under control, and, you know, everything else will follow. And, uh, yeah, just don't be, uh, don't be embarrassed or give yourself a hard time about it if you yourself getting shaky or nervous completely normal and it's fine and it gets better with time um having certain little rituals and certain ways of approaching a game also help uh so for example one thing i like to do um i, I don't like having the kind of you know that slippery feel you know if somebody's got like super sweaty hands and you go up after them and, and uh, so i mean i know you know it's just like yeah i don't like that and uh, I, I very early on i started um uh, developing a little process of just kind of wiping the machine down before I start playing, and it's a, it's a little ritual that's become even if it's not wet and sticky or anything else, it's just something that I do, and it helps I think just prepare my brain and get myself ready for stepping up and being ready to uh, to plunge my ball, and you know also that few seconds helps you. You know, you can look at the play field, check where you're at, you know, what's the score, what do you need? Just, you know, get yourself in that mental place um, before plunging the ball, and, and that helps. So, yeah, little little rituals are, are helpful in that situation, too. No, I love that. Listeners, if you're new, you should always have like a towel or a rag or something with you because there's nothing worse than like putting your hands on the machine and it's damp or moist. <laughs> ah. But I love that's kind of like your ritual and you're getting yourself into that proper headspace to get ready to play that ball. And it's something as simple as just wiping down the machine, which is after COVID, I'm like everybody should be wiping down the machine. <laughs> But uh, but no, I think I think that was a, an amazing answer, and I I feel that rituals are important and breathing techniques. Trust me, guys, they help. <laughs> Louise is definitely right on that. That I mean, if you, I tend to get anxiety, and it sometimes it just helps to kind of take a moment and just you know just go, go inside yourself a bit and just, you know, calm it down with some, some breathing techniques. Um, so I, I love that Louise, you know, I hope that you and I get to meet at some point in person that COVID will be over. Earth will open back up. I mean, 
I don't know. I, I keep on like wanting to say everything should be great by the fall or everything should be great by Thanksgiving. I'm like, not even going to throw dates out there anymore. y'all. Um, but hopefully at some point uh, our paths will we'll get to cross Louise. Um, we're we're kind of coming towards the end of the show and we have one, look, well, now we have two segments, but this is the main segment that we have. And it's been the segment we've had throughout the entire show. And it's called Inside the Pinball Arcade. And it's an opportunity for listeners to find out more about you and your pinball mind. Are you ready to play? Sure, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Question number one, what game do you love? Uh, lots of them, all of them. Uh, in, terms, in, terms of a, in terms of an absolute favorite, one of the, the all-time favorites for me was uh, Tales of the Arabian Night. So very after Theater of Magic, we found uh, this, this other bar called Shotwells that had a Tales of the Arabian Night. And that was kind of, you know, one of these little hangout places that Eric and I would go to. And it was a game I totally fell in love with at the time, and it's held its appeal to me over the years. Uh, even now, I, I, you know, I still enjoy going up and just spinning that lamp around, and uh, you know, and you know, hearing the lightning crashing sounds, and it's uh, it's it's super fun. Uh, it's uh, super dangerous. Uh, different strategies to kind of approach it, but often I just take the risky one and spin that lamp around because I find it so much fun and uh the aesthetics uh the aesthetics are very pretty on that game as well and uh yeah i'd, I'd say uh one of my all-time favorites would have to be Tofan. yeah same i it's definitely on my like top 10 it's so much fun we don't have a lot here on location um so i only get to play it when i'm out of town but um it is one of my absolute favorites i love that one all right question number two what game do you hate Oh, what game do I hate? I wouldn't say there's a specific one that I hate. If I feel like I'm hating on a game, it's usually because I just played really badly on it and like got knocked out of the tournament and got my butt kicked and I'm just like, God, that was an awful game. And I kind of hate it for a little while. And I will force myself to go and play that machine over and over again next time I have the opportunity to sort of, you know, have my own headspace and nobody else around me, go and play that game until I have a really great blow-up game that I kind of feel proud of, and then I can kind of re-love it again and, you know, have a positive attitude. Um, I, I don't like being in a tournament and, you know, you, you fight, you, you're drawn on a certain game and you go up to it and you're like, oh, God, I really don't want to play this game. It's not helpful to have that kind of response. So if I'm hating on something, I really try and get past it quickly. I'd say the, the most recent uh, game that I was hating on was Alien Star. And it's actually not a bad game. I, I quite like it. Uh, but uh, we had it at Free Gold Watch, and uh, it's got this kind of cool aspect. So there's a, there's a great spinner shot. And if you trigger the white in lane, which doesn't have a direct speed, so you have to do it by an alley pass. If you trigger that in lane switch, I think you get like 10x value or something on the spinner which you can then multiply even more by a play field multiplier when you get into uh, uh, multiple. And this one had a bit of a warped play field. So whenever you try to do like the thing and you shack the inline to trigger that switch, it would just like plop out the outline and go all the way up and over. And, just oh. like, and it drove me nuts. So I, I just had to find like another way of, uh, you know, kind of playing the game where I, you know, just basically didn't do that, that trick. Uh, so I'd say that was probably the last one, but it's not, it's not a fundamental flaw with any style. That's actually a pretty cool game. 
Yeah, I know. It, it, so this, this has been a, a mainstay question. All these questions have been the same since the get-go. And it's funny, you know, the games I hate it, and the listeners who followed along, they know how I totally hate uh, Stargate. I hate that game so much. But it's, you know, it was because I had like the most garbage game of all time at the Houston Arcade Expo. And I was like, no, no, I hate Stargate. And I felt the same way about The Walking Dead. But you guys, I'm coming around on The Walking Dead. I mean, I'm, I'm getting a lot better at it and it's not so, it's still me, but it's not, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning to love it. <laughs> I'm trying to transform my, transform my hate into love. Cause that I will say more than Stargate, I run into Walking Dead at almost every event and tournament that I go to. I'm like, nah, <laughs> it's like, I have to learn to love this game. Sometimes I have people who come on the show and they're like, no, no, I hate that game. <laughs> like okay all right question number three what is your favorite pinball sound this can be the sound that mech makes this can be theme music um this can be any call out just a sound that you like from a particular game yeah i think generally the sound of a, like a good spinner riff on you know any mm-hmm. game that happens is just awesome uh you're making me think about Kotan now and and, and that one <laughs> the lightning crash sounds and when you have the bonus chance it can be extremely lucrative on uh, on bonus if you do play that lamp strategy and just hearing that countdown of the bonus it's uh it's uh it soothes my soul like i love it yeah no that is a good sound i love that sound and yeah the spinner rip like all day long like that that is actually my favorite pinball sound is the spinner rip in particular the spinner rip from harlem globetrotters but any spinner is a good spinner so i love those all right, question number four. What is your favorite pinball art package? This can be back glass art, play field art, cabinet art, or a mix of the three. I think I generally migrate to the, the more kind of uh, like fantastical themed uh, pinball machines rather than uh, like the licensed ones or more kind of cartoony uh, type of aesthetics. Uh, the ones that, that jump out to me, there's a a really cool area of Spiegel Watch, which is buried right at the back of the shop, where they, they put a lot of their solid state. Because uh, they don't earn as much coinage as, you know, the more modern machines. They come buried at the back of the shop out of the way. And uh, it, the machines get moved around quite a bit, but they often have a lineup and it'll be like Fathom and Centaur and uh, Paragon and like those, those kind of ballets from, I guess, sort of, you know, the general 80s range. And the artwork on those machines is just gorgeous, and I kind of just thematically really like them too. Uh, so I'd say those are, those are, you know, it's not a particular one, uh, but uh, that kind of era and theme of like the Bally Data machines um, is is just great. Yeah, I, I think aesthetically those are, those would be like you know top of my list. Oh yeah, no, there's a. I agree. I mean, I like licensed. I mean, the the, the licensed artwork I've seen, but, um, you know, they have to stay so in like the box, like you have to do it this way. It has to look like this. Whereas, you know, you have things like Sorcerer and Fathom's my favorite, but, um, you know, Centaur, you know, that, that kind of look of the solid states, they're just absolutely beautiful. And there's just so much artistic freedom that they have. Yeah, I can, I completely agree on that one. It's hard to pick a favorite out of those. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Question number five. What is your grail pin? This is the pinball machine. You may may own it or that you would like to own above all other pinball machines in the world. I've always wanted a Flash Gordon. Oh, me too. What is it that you love about Flash Gordon? Again, that kind of era of machine I quite like. Uh, right, you know, right, the, right. 
from the from the eighties. It was a you know it was a great era, and Flash Gordon has a lot of complexity for it. For, for a machine of its time, it's got a, a great deal of complexity, and it's really neat. Um, I like the art. I like the way it plays. Uh, I like to practice kind of you know, like tap passing. You know, you can tap pass, you can alley pass, you can do all these you know cool things, which can be extremely beneficial uh, in that game in terms of you know scoring opportunities. And yeah, I just always enjoyed playing it. So yeah, maybe maybe at some point in my life, a uh, uh, Flash Gordon will come in and be sat in my living room or garage, and that would be absolutely awesome. Yeah, I know that is uh, on my list as well. I, you know, I kind of had a line on one. I can't get it right now, but that is definitely on the list. Uh, Flash Gordon's an absolute favorite of mine. All right, next question. What is your favorite? And you, you've mentioned three of them, but if you had to pick one or if there's a, an event you haven't been to, what is your favorite pinball event, tournament, expo to attend in or play? Uh, we have to be pinboard. Uh, there's there's no ifs or buts about it. Um, and then yeah, I think you pick a, a, a second place because almost everybody picks pinboard. Yeah. So besides pinboard, I think the, the second place it would have to be a toss up between Indisc and uh, Northwest. Maybe I would slightly go maybe more for for Northwest because I prefer the format of the tor- tournaments there. It's a, a match play format versus either what used to be Herb and is now a ticket format for, for Indus, but uh, they're both just absolutely tremendous. And, you know, of course, going spanning and having access to just all those amazing and, and many very unique machines that they have in that collection there is just tremendous. So, yeah, I, I, it's kind of hard to pick which one I've talked to those two, but anyone who's not been to either of those, uh, please get yourself there. You'll have an amazing time. And whether you want to compete or not, there's plenty to do and many amazing machines. So uh, yeah, the, the Northwest, it's been uh, like May or June that Dave and uh, Jermaine uh, set up. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a big team in the uh, SoCal Indisc uh, at Banning, uh, maybe uh, Jim Balfito and Carl D'Angelo. Um, so uh, yeah, both tremendous, tremendous tournaments. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong. Those are both, uh, all three of them are amazing. I mean, we, I, I, that question I usually add on, not Pinberg, but uh, it's one of those, um, Pinberg is just such a huge um, mammoth of a tournament. Everybody loves it. Uh, you know, they have whipped now as well. Also, side note, listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, um, the folks from Replay FX have offered an amazing shirt. Uh, you'll be able to support Replay FX, but also have a fun shirt that says, I tied for Pinberg 2020. And you can get that with the, the Pinberg logo. And that is available through the Replay FX shop um, at replayfx.org, I believe. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, but a great way to support the organization. And plus, when are you going to ever be able to wear a shirt that says, I tied first for Pinberg? Um, so that, that's a, that's a fun way to support the guys at replay FX and, um, our everyone's favorite tournament. Um, uh, all right, next question, who or whom, and this can be alive or dead. Would you enjoy playing pinball with the most, or who do you enjoy playing pinball with the most? You know, someone who I really want to play with is Karen, Karen Kaiser. So interestingly, um, I, I only really met her this March at the Women's uh, uh, Women's World Championships, and 
we'd overlapped, at least in that tournament, a number of times, but we'd never actually got to play together. The bracket just didn't end up working that way until, you know, one of us got knocked out. And we ended up having a, a really cool hangout with the girls got together one night um, uh, over the, you know, that pinmaster's weekend. And she was super nice. And I'd really love to be able to, you know, hang out with her a little bit more and, and get to play with her because we never played together before. Yeah, no, she's a fantastic player. I, I've actually never played with her. Um, we got to hang out a bit. And she, of course, she's been on the show, um, listeners, as you well know. Um, she's also a member of the uh, Women's Advisory Board for IFPA. Uh, very big friend of the show, Karen Kaiser. But yeah, and, oh, I just watched her. I should have asked. She was like, she's like, why didn't you ask me to play? I was like, because I was watching you and you were amazing. <laughs> I got really nervous. Uh, she was at our local coffee shop, What's Brewing, and, and I watched her play, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't think I can play her. <laughs> but she's, she's just a, she's a lovely person. So I nice choice, Louise. I love that. I love it. All right. Final question. What is your dream theme? This is a theme that has not been produced by a major pinball manufacturer, but that you would like to see come to life. So I'm a typical Brit and I grew up on Monty Python. So that would be my absolute dream theme. Uh, I heard rumors that Medieval Madness was, you know, I know they couldn't, they tried Monty Python, couldn't get the licensing or something. So there's definitely a lot of that kind of Python-esque uh, kind of humor in Medieval. But I'd really love to see a, a Monty Python pinball machine like proper. And these days have you know, the big screens, the big video clips, like the, the amount of material they would have to work with is just huge. And it would be so much fun. So, yeah, that would absolutely, uh, without any shadow of doubt, be my dream thing. So would you want it to be like one of the movies, like, you know, Life of Brian, or would you like more the TV show or just like the kind of the entire, you know, canon of Monty Python? I think they could go with the entire canon. I mean, when I think of Monty Python, I think more about the clips. Uh, when I was when I was growing up, we'd have like a kind of family night, and we'd all sit down and kind of watch the the Monty Python show, and you know it's like my favorite TV show of the, of the week. And you know that was all of these little uh, skits that they would do. So um, yeah, it wouldn't even need to be uh, based around one of the movies. They could just use all the all the skits, you know, or just pull bits from you know here and there from from what they would want. And I think if they went with uh, the skits rather than just one movie, they wouldn't be boxing themselves in, right? You know, right. It opens a lot more possibilities and um, uh, would also probably not be, <laughs> I going to say not as offensive. I'm sure there's a lot of the material that it's uh, <laughs> offending some people because that's kind of the nature of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, when I think of Monty Python, I think more kids that they did. Yeah, no, I love that. I love uh, Monty Python. I don't know if anybody's mentioned Monty Python. I want to say no. Um, I know it's kind of come up as like an alternative, like a second or third place, but I love that. And there's so much material there. And I feel like Monty Python's one of those universally loved, like beloved. It's not just like a British thing per se, like lots of people across the world love Monty Python. So excellent choice, Louise. I love it. I love it. Well, Louise, we're, we're wrapping up the show. I, I hope you had a good time. I really appreciate you coming on the show and visiting with us today. It, it means a lot. And I, I'm so honored and, and pleased to meet you. This was so much fun. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, maybe at TPF next year or year after or whenever things kind of open up. And, uh, 
yeah, I'm hoping to uh, hit up TPF at some point. So I know that's uh, close to you. And uh, yeah, we'll touch base. And it'd be great to, uh, to play with you and get to hang out more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, T- TPF is definitely kind of my home turf, but I definitely, I definitely hope to make it out to either Indus or Northwest next year. That that is definitely on my, you know, fingers crossed. Oh, Earth opens back up, and when Earth opens, Louise, where is it that you like to play in San Francisco? What are some of your local spots? Yeah, the main hangout for me is Three Gold Watch. So that's where we have our league. It's where City Champs is held. They've got a great collection of machines. Around about forty or fifty machines there. And it's, uh, it only takes me about maybe 15 minutes to, to get there from where I live. So it's, it's really convenient. And the other amazing place in the city that I love to go to and where uh, I've been hosting women's tournaments is Out of Orbit. Uh, so that's like a, a Hawaiian-themed uh, pinball kind of restaurant. And uh, that's awesome. And I love the people who work there and, and run the place. And that's I'd say people watching Out of Orbit are by far my favorite. Fantastic. Well, again, Louise, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope we get to cross paths very, very soon. Yeah, me too. All right. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Um, We'll put links into the show notes to all the places that we mentioned and the things we talked about today. Also, um, if you love what you're listening to and would like to get a pin and a sticker, um, we have Patreon. Um, We have the $5 nightlight level. You get yourself a really cool schnazzy enamel pin. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I have an enamel pin problem. (laughs) um, But it is super duper fun. Um, If you're interested, you can go to the website back boxpinballpodcast.com. You'll see the link at the top that says Patreon, and that'll tell you more about supporting the show. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the show, whether you're you're working from home or walking around outside. Thank you so much for taking us with you. I really do appreciate it. Um, if you have somebody you'd like to see featured on the show, drop me a line, backboxpinballpodcast at gmail.com. Guys, thank you so much. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and keep flipping. Thanks for listening to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get pinball fun delivered to you every week, subscribe to our podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Also, we'd love for you to post a review on Apple Podcasts. To look at show notes and more, visit our website at backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Again, that's backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Thanks for taking us with you, and keep flipping! Keep flipping!